Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Hey, man, anybody love Jesus today? I'm going to say that again. Does anybody love Jesus today? Amen, amen. Praise God. That was a, that was a woman, a Christian lady, um, that lived next door to an atheist. And every day this woman would come out of her house and she would say on her, get on her porch and say, praise the Lord. And every day the atheist would peek across this fence and say, there is no God. Shut up. Don't say that. The next day, she would come out the same routine. She would say, praise the Lord. The atheist would say, I told you there is no God. Shut up. Don't say that. One day, she came out of her house, and she looked up to heaven and said, Lord, I sure am hungry today. I need some food. But praise the Lord. The atheist heard her. He said, uh-huh, I got her now. Ran down to Publix, grabbed some bogos, came back to her porch, put the bags on the porch, knocked on the door, ran, and jumped behind a bush. She came out of the house, saw the groceries, looked up to heaven and said, praise the Lord. The atheist jumped from behind the bush, said, uh-huh, I got you. I told you there is no God. I told you there is no God. I bought those groceries. God didn't. I bought those groceries. The woman looked down at the groceries, looked back up to heaven and said, Lord, thank you that you didn't even, that not only did you buy me groceries, but you had the devil bring them to me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, that's funny. I don't care what y'all say. Amen. <laughs> the moral of it is when you ask for help, you never know who God may use. Amen? Amen. And this morning, I would like to read to you from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing off his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I love the message version because it said, it says, it's your lucky day. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. 
The blind man said, Rabbi, I, I want to see. I love the way the living Bible says it here because it says, he said, oh, teacher, I want to see. Like, oh, as in nobody never asked me what I really wanted. Nobody never really asked me my need. Verse 52, Jesus said, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love this story because it shows us that the blind man was willing to ask for help. Here's a man that was sitting by the wayside that had problems, issues. One problem, he was blind. He had a physical problem. He also had a spiritual problem because he was blind. He was considered cursed by God because of his illness and separated from God. He also had not only a blind problem and a, a physical problem and a spiritual problem, but he also had a financial problem because he was a beggar and he was asking for things. But I love the fact that the Bible says that this man shouted out to Jesus for help. And he was blind. So what that tells me is that he didn't see the miracles that Jesus was doing. But the Bible said he heard that Jesus was passing by. I just want to take a moment to say, if you ever hear about Jesus passing by, don't be quiet. Because this is your opportunity to get healed. Your opportunity to be delivered. Your opportunity to receive the joy and peace of the Lord when Jesus is passing by. And I think the man realized that this is my opportunity. This is my time. Because I heard, I couldn't see it, but I've heard of the miracles that Jesus did. I heard how he raised the dead. I heard how he caused the deaf to hear. I heard how he walked on water. I heard how he even caused other people to see. So the man said, this is my opportunity, and I'm not going to let it pass me by. Jesus, thou son of David. In spite of people telling him to hold it down, not to shout, stop acting like a crazy man, stop acting like a wild man, he began to shout even louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He needed help. And today I want to talk to you from a subject simple titled, Help. Making it easier for someone to do something by offering one's services or resources is assisting a need. And we all need help sometimes. I'm going to say that again. We all need help sometimes. Oftentimes we encounter beggars at storefronts at medians while we're at the traffic lights. I had someone come up to me recently at a store as I was pumping gas, asking for money for gas for his car, saying he needed to get his family home. 
There are people that we see holding signs. Some homeless, some may not be. But they all hold a sign that asks for something different. But in reality, they're all really asking the same thing. Help. Why is it so difficult for us as people to ask for help? I think it is because, one, we fear rejection. We also fear judgment, shame, and being powerless. You don't have to fear rejection from God because oftentimes we treat God as if he's like people here on earth. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never reject you. God isn't here to judge you for your every failure or your every fault. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You don't have to be ashamed when you come to God. Because Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already knows our mistakes, our failures, our sins. But he loved us enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. He loves us. Listen, asking for help takes courage. It takes courage to ask for help. I had a friend one time that called me and said, I, I want to meet. I need to talk to you about something that I'm struggling with, something I'm dealing with. And I remember this friend telling me that this is hard for me. When he got to the meeting, he told me I almost turned around because the devil was messing with my mind and causing me to feel shame, and my pride was an issue. But we was able to sit down and talk through some stuff to help get a plan in place to help the brother overcome some stuff. Satan would like nothing more than to keep us from asking for help. I remember we went on a vacation to Tennessee. My family and I, we went whitewater rafting. And, you know, I remember coming through the rapids. We were all so excited. It was the last day of the, you know, the vacation. You, you saved the, la the best for the last. Amen. It was the last day we going through these rapids. We all excited. And, you know, the instructor told us, okay, once we get to this next one, you can jump in. 
And I mean, as soon as we got there, by the time he said, this is the spot you can go, we was, we was jumping in. We were cannonballing. And I didn't realize it until we were on land and headed back to the car that I jumped in with my glasses. And I asked my wife, I said, do you have my glasses? She said, no. She said, you had them on your face. I said, okay, well, you know, I done drove us up here to Tennessee, up through the mountains. And I said, well, I, I can drive us back. I, said, I can see. My wife said, no, you, you can't. I said, well, I can see two car links ahead. She said, you're not driving my family back. <laughs> but I didn't want to show her my weakness. I wanted to let her know that I can still do this. But not asking for help can affect your family, work, school, relationship with God, even your relationship with yourself. And I know I can't discuss all the areas in life that people need help, but I want to focus on three ways to get you the help you may need. And the first one is to realize that you need help. Oftentimes we live in denial and we don't want to uh, come to the realization that I need help. I'm sick. I'm hurting. I need help. Christians need help with their faith. Sometimes I just need help. I'm I'm struggling to believe God. Married couples need help with issues in their marriage. Maybe going through a season where it's hard. And if you don't get help, then your marriage end up being destroyed. Single people sometimes need help on whether they want to go into a relationship or not. Maybe a college student in the room and you need help because you're filled with stress from being away from home and got finances that you're dealing with, issues and relationships that uh, you're trying to build. That's why we here at Experience Church, love our college students because we know a lot of times you're far away from home and we're here to wrap our arms around you and walk with you and help you through the hard times. Sometimes elderly people, they need help with pride and independence. My mom don't want nobody to help her because she don't want to feel old. Sometimes people with disabilities struggle because even though they want to be independent in some areas, they just can't make it without the assistance of others. The blind man realized that he needed help, and he was willing to cry out and ask the Lord to help him. Like the blind man, we ourselves, we have to trust Jesus to help us. Just trust him. And I know sometimes it's hard to trust. It's hard to release control. 
after doing something so long by yourself. Sometimes we're trying, we're saying we're trusting God, but we're holding the wheel while he's holding the wheel. Have you ever had two people trying to hold the wheel and drive? Eventually, you're going to crash out. And you don't want to release the wheel and release control to God and trust him because you're so used to other people letting you down, hurting you, crashing you out. But God's saying, release control. Just trust me. I love the way Hebrews chapter 4 reads. And it says, but Jesus, the son of God, is our great high priest who has gone into heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. A high priest was someone who took the people's concerns, the people's sin to God. And we have a high priest in Jesus Christ that sits on the right hand of the throne of the Father who is there simply to help us, interceding for us. So therefore, don't stop trusting him. I know sometimes it get hard, but don't stop trusting him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can trust God in a hopeless situation because he's the God of hope. Don't ever stop trusting God. And just be like the blind man and come to him. Be willing to come to him. The Bible says that they told the blind man, he's calling for you. And today, I want to let you know that he's calling for you. The Bible said the blind man tossed his old cloak off and he came to Jesus. What is it that's keeping you from coming? To give your problems to him. I love the way it reads in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us in our times of need. I love that it says times of need because you're going to need God often. If you don't think you need God now, just keep on living. We need God often. Maybe it's because of your behavior you're saying, I don't want to come to him or the pain that you're dealing with, you feel like I don't want to come to him. But you can come to Jesus just as you are. He said, come on, come to me. I love that we have access. He said, you can come boldly unto God, meaning he's given us access to come to him to talk about whatever the need is in our lives. Because there are some needs that you need God to fulfill. You need the resources that God has. 
And the blind man knew that people had given me so much. Every day I was begging, asking for something, but there was only one thing that God could give me. The one thing I really wanted in my life. He said, oh, Jesus, thank you for asking me what it is I want. I just want to see. I just need help to see. I'm tired of walking through life blind. I'm tired of walking through life without clarity, without vision, stumbling over stuff, bumping into things, falling into holes. Lord, I just want to see. Help me. But we also need each other. We also have to come together as a church family and support each other. Yes, Jesus can help me in certain areas, but I need my brothers and sisters to be able to help me too. I need a strong marriage, a, a, a female that I can go talk to in marriage about my marriage, a, a strong brother I can come and talk to about my struggles. I need somebody I can call here on earth to say, hey, I need to talk to, through some stuff. Do you have that in your life? That's why we do small groups here. Like, I don't want it to just be us ministering to you from here. I want you to be able to have a, a family or a small group that you can call at any time. And say, I, want, I need you to walk with me. I need you to talk to me. Let's do life together. Amen? You need people in your life. Don't try to do it alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, and let's consider how to encourage one another. Like we need each other. How would you turn to your neighbor on your right and say, help me? Come on, come on. Now turn to the neighbor on your left and say, you know you need help. <laughs> Amen. We got to realize we need help. And then we have to seek help. We have to seek the help that we need. I love Psalms 38, verse 6 and 7. In 8, David says, I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. David was going through a mental crisis. He was hurting. He was battling a sin. He had failed God, and he had so many wars and battles that he was fighting and with Saul, and he was, he was just tired, tired of living up to the pressure of being king, tired of all of life issues burdening him down. And some of us today, are dealing with mental health issues. And when the demands that's placed on a person exceeds their resources and their coping abilities, then their mental health begins to be 
impacted. Because I don't have the resources or the coping ability to deal with this pressure in my life. Maybe you're working long hours or caring for a family member that can't care for themselves or experiencing economic hardship. All of these can play a role on poor mental health. And I know the Bible doesn't specifically refer to the topic of mental health. However, it does speak a lot about a person's emotions, their mind, their soul, and their heart. Mental health is an extremely important topic that all people need to be familiar with today. Oftentimes in the past, beliefs taught that mental health problems were directly related to Satan and were the result of demonic possession. But that's not true. Many people struggle with mental health problems today. But this does not mean that they're possessed. Nor does it mean that they're not saved. In fact, 7 million Christians in the U.S. have depression. A recent survey from LifeWay says that one in five pastors deal with depression to some degree. More than 50% will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. One in five Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. One in five children, children, either currently or at some point during their life, have had a seriously debilitating mental illness. One in 25 lives, one in 25 American lives with a serious mental illness, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or major depression. Other mental health problems, in addition to anxiety and depressions, include eating disorders, personality disorders, psychotic disorders, and PTSD. Each of these illnesses can happen to a person for a variety of reasons. That's why it's crucial that as believers, we don't just, we do not judge or belittle or condemn those struggling with mental illnesses. Rather than condoning them, condemning them, those with mental illness, Christians ought to help, show kindness, and love them. I'm going to read that again. It's crucial that as believers, we do not judge, belittle, or condemn those struggling with mental illnesses. Rather than condemning them, Christians ought to help show kindness and love to them. John 13, 34 says, And so I am giving a new commandment to you now. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. Struggling with mental health does not make you less of a Christian or less than a person. In fact, nobody is less than a person if they have any type of mental illness. Each individual is made in God's image and in God's likeness and is wonderfully made. And seeking help not only includes going to your brothers and sisters in Christ or your family members and friends, but seeking help also includes professional help. Don't struggle in life alone. God give us all we need in various forms. The great prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4 says, While he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Have you ever been to that point where you say, Lord, I've had enough of all the pressure of life that's burdened me down? Family problems, sickness in my body, kids going crazy. My career is stressing me out. I've had enough. Let us not get to the point where Elijah was, where he just wanted to end it all. God provides all we need if we ask him and others. My last point is that not only do you need to realize you need help, not only do we need to realize and seek help, but we need to accept the help that is given to us and rest in him. I love Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? It's a question the Lord is asking us. Tired? of being pulled in so many different ways, tired of being weighed down with life necessities, to come to me. Come to me. He said, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Oftentimes we think like if I go on a vacation and just get away from everything and everybody, my job, I can just have a break from it all. But the truth of the matter is that you still doesn't have a break because your mind is not at rest. Come on, we, we're thousands of miles away, but we're still thinking about a hundred different things. Hundred different problems that I'm dealing with. Jesus said, come to me. I want to show you how to take a real rest. Not me. I don't, I'm not telling you that everything will, will be or all your problems will be gone. 
That's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you that if you come and walk with me, I'll show you how to take a real rest in the midst of all the chaos in your life. He said, if you walk with me and you work with me, watch how I do life, learn the unforth rhythms of grace. He said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If you keep company with me, Jesus said, you will learn to live freely and lightly. I'm going to show you how to walk through life with chaos in your life, but to have peace in your heart. I'm going to show you to have a free freedom in your mind from the things that's been pulling you apart. I love the way Paul says it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, don't fret. Don't worry. Worry means to, to be torn apart, to be pulled to pieces, to be ripped like a piece of cloth. He said, don't allow your life to pull you apart worrying. Instead of worrying, pray. Say, well, Kenny, I pray all the time. He said, well, not only pray, but let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Not only am I praying to God, but I'm praising God for the victory that's already won. In the midst of what I'm going through, I'm praying, I'm sharing my concerns with God, but I'm telling God, Lord, I thank you for healing my body. Thank you for delivering my family. Thank you for saving my kids. Thank you in the midst of the chaos. And when you begin to praise God, the worry will be burdening you down. But when you begin to praise God, that praise will reverse the script. And then you will begin to have joy in the place where you were distressed because of the praises that you're giving God in the midst of it. Say, let God know, know your concerns. Let God know the things that you need help with. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. I love the way the King James reads. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, letting your requests be known unto God, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. I like to say it like this. The more prayer, the, mo the more problems, the more prayer, the more peace. The more problems the enemy brings in my life, the more it forces me to pray to God and the more peace God gives. The blind man said, I need help in my life. And there's only one man 
that can really give me what I need. I need to see. Help. It's something we all need. Let us ask God for help. Let us ask others for help. Seek the help out that you need so you won't be like Elijah and throw your hands up and say, I had enough. God loves you so much, so much. He just wants you to come talk to him, share share your concerns, your problems, your needs with him and trust him. Amen. Amen. Let us bow our heads.